This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be having so much fun because we're going to be talking about how to really optimize how your organization operates. Um, you know, things change so quickly anymore. Technology changes. We've got people that work around the world. Heck, I'm here in Atlanta. My guest is out in California. We literally can have employees around the world. We can have clients around the world. Things change. Things move so quickly. And my guest is going to talk to us about how we can hold it all together is maybe the best way to, to say on that. So please join me in welcoming Shannon Atkins to our program today. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Well, let me tell people just a little bit more about you. So Shannon Atkins is the CEO of Future State, a human-centered, purpose-driven management consulting company. Her firm practices what they preach, and their own journey of transformation is both inspirational and educational. Shannon is here to share with us what they've learned and how they help others on their journeys of growth, learning, and change. So again, Shannon, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, first, let's start out by, you know, let's, let's go back a little bit in time. Tell us how it is that this is, is what your passion is and how you came, came to be doing this. Yeah, my, my journey's unusual, a little bit of magic thrown in. Cool. Um, my, my, my first job out of college, I was an English major okay. at, school at the beach mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara. Had a dad that was a salesman in tech, and when I finished my degree, he was devastated and horrified and concerned and worried that I'd never, yeah. ever find English a job. English degree. English degree, and you spent the whole time on the mm-hmm. beach, and what are you going to do? And, I introduced me to a woman named Meryl Natchez, who's the founder and CEO of a consulting company, technical okay. writing consulting company, based in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. and asked her, please, please give my daughter a job, maybe a technical writer, maybe she can <laughs> do something with technology and writing, mm-hmm. and uh, I met Meryl, and she said, no way, you would be the worst technical writer on the planet, but... I think you might be able to sell, and there's this thing called the World Wide Web, and mm-hmm. we should figure out what that is and what it means to our business and what we should be selling and how we should be building that. So as a, um ambitious and smart but clueless young person, I began working for Merrill. Mm-hmm. She gave me more accountability than, than most really more accountability than almost anybody I ever would work with again would mm-hmm. give me uh, and said, go ahead, figure it out, build this business. I don't know, get out the phone book, start selling cool. things, figure out what people want, go, go see what you can make happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fast forward a few years from that, I was a big part of the doc, the initial doc, dot com boom mm-hmm. uh, and, and working in San Francisco and a part of a number of venture backed startups and, and then a part of the crash and moved into corporate America and into Wells Fargo Bank as an executive running a PL and uh, into Intuit running a, a software developer network and back to venture back startups. And, and in that period of time, I also became a mom and uh, lost my mom and, and really started to examine what 
matters most. Mm -hmm. I want to learn. I want to work hard. I want to be well compensated. I want to do work that matters for me and for the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to be seen and honored as a human in that process. I want to be able to be myself. And Mm -hmm. found that I was bumping up against a number of um, what felt like pretty significant barriers. I won't say glass ceiling because it was more about self-expression ceiling, right? That the idea that that one could be empathetic and kind and connected mm-hmm. didn't seem to resonate with what it would take to move up the corporate ladder or be ah. successful in BC. And mm-hmm. um, I was being asked to bring more edge and mm-hmm. more intensity and mm-hmm. simultaneously working on bringing less edge and less intensity in all other areas of my life. Right. Like, yeah, because you're a mom, you're a wife. Yeah, yeah, and a human. And, you know, and really recognizing that I wanted to be in an environment where I could be my full self and know that I would do my best work in that environment. So mm-hmm. I, I quit my job and I came home and told my husband, who's a stay-at-home dad, that I was going to go back to Tech Pros, which mm-hmm. is the name of the company that I worked for, for Merrill, um, and happened to open up my inbox the next morning, hadn't spoken to Merrill for 10 years. <laughs> and there was an email in my inbox that said, I've sold the company to the employees. Uh, they need you and I think you need them too. Wow. And I did. So I took a $100,000 pay cut and came back to this company uh, about 10 years ago now, 10 years ago in, uh, it'll be 10 years in January Mm -hmm. and started rebuilding our business. We were at that point in time, we'd suffered pretty greatly during the Mm -hmm. downturn in 2009. Our business had lost probably 40% of its revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody on the team had taken a 10% pay cut. We were highly concentrated. All of our business was really with one client. And, Ooh, and that's always good. <laughs> yeah, not great, right? Not great. And we were, uh, you know, at a point of an imperative to change and reinvent mm-hmm. our offering, reinvent our business model, mm-hmm. uh, recreate our brand. And um, I think I, I jumped in without knowing at all how close we were to a really bad situation, um, you mm-hmm. know, but, but, jumped in because I, it was a hard decision. It wasn't a logical decision. It wasn't a brain decision. It was, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. This is where I'm going and I'm going to see what I can make happen. I was able to, to sell about $5 million worth of business that first year that I cool. came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was different business too. Not, mm-hmm. not the same business that we had been delivering, oh, okay. not, te- not technical writing, not stack augmentation. Um, but shifting into organizational change and outcomes-based consulting. Uh, so that was the launch pad for this journey. We've been on these last 10 years of, of transforming ourselves from the inside out. I became CEO in 2015. So uh, I naively thought that would be a pretty simple change. Because right. you know, I was already a leader in the company. Uh-huh. It wouldn't be that different to be the CEO. And I was, I was, very much wrong on that front. So that was another disruptive change for the business. And, and then for me <laughs> and my family. And, I bet. And, and yeah, you were the face of the business. That's right. That's right. So it changes things. And I'm, I love being number two. Number two is a really cool role, right? Mm-hmm. People come, people come to you and say, Ooh, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for me. Can right. you fix this? And here's what I see. And you aggregate and integrate and synthesize that information and bring it to the leader of the organization and say, here are my recommendations. Mm-hmm. This is what you should do. And then that's great. It's easy. You're always, you kind of, you are a change right. agent, but you're also kind of always everybody's buddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Move into 
then the yeah, when you're the boss, it's different. Yeah, mm-hmm. overnight, it's different. Mm-hmm. So being on that journey and learning learning how to lead who I am as a leader, what I what I believe is going to make a difference for our business and for the ser- businesses we serve, has been uh, fascinating and you know certainly uh, exciting. And I hope to never ever work anywhere else. This mm-hmm. is hopefully for me my last stop. Um, but it was about coming full circle to an environment where people, you know, myself and and our and my COO and our number one salesperson and our director of delivery are all people that Merrill um, hired in their twenties and said, "Yeah, hey, you're smart, you're hungry, go for it, figure out, make something happen." Um, three of us, three of us came back. One stayed the whole time, mm-hmm. and what we were coming back to was being seen mm-hmm. and honored. As capable and confident people, even if our track record or our, uh, you know, what we'd already done didn't tell that story, mm-hmm. this belief and faith that we had the raw stuff, the, the ingredients needed right. to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I love this story because, you know, as you said, you've been through this. And so many companies are going through things like this because they forced changes, you know, in, in, in many cases because mm-hmm. of technology, because mergers, acquisitions, um, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that, that, you know, you initially had the one big client. A lot of companies have that, you know, they, they have kind of, or maybe they work in one industry and that industry changes, um, you know, and, and all sorts of things. And, and unfortunately, so many times the companies don't make it. They, and, and I think probably that, the, to me at least, the biggest reason is because it's the, well, that's the way we've always done it type of, of thing. And, you know, and, and they refuse to change, yeah. and that's when they fail. Um, you know, even if they bring in new leadership, all of those things, because, of course, you can have new leaders. You can do all of those things, but if everybody isn't on board with here's what we're doing now, then it's going to fail. I think that's right. I think the other piece that that's a theme that's already emerging is in our conversation is this notion of knowing the answer. Right. Um, and in the hierarchical siloed organizations, we, you know, 20, 19th and 20th century business models were built on the idea that, you know, there are experts. Mm-hmm. Consulting was built on the idea that right. there are experts mm-hmm. and they the answer. And as long mm-hmm. as you get the answer and execute against that, you'll be successful. Right. And we could know it all. And we as leaders, well, we are supposed to know it all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so if you don't, certainly you should hide and pretend like you do. Oh yes. No, you never <laughs> admit that you don't know. And this is shifting. So what's becoming a more credible attribute of leadership and of organizations that are succeeding in the 21st century is that attribute of, of discovery and of learning and of exploration and of experimentation so that the leaders who are really emerging today are the leaders who can bring humility and authenticity and, mm-hmm. and curiosity to the challenges that they face and say, I don't know, but here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Here are some right. hypotheses I'm working what do you see that I don't see and how might mm-hmm. we get to test that right. um, together and mm-hmm. learn from our mistakes? So I think it's, it's just a really interesting paradigm shift that, um, you know, m- should be good news mm-hmm. for most of us. It's, it's probably bad news for folks who grew up inside of a, a model where we got all of our self-worth and all of our validation and all of our recognition for being the experts and having right. mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we now need to shift to, my job is to figure out the right questions, mm-hmm. not to 
to have the answer. Right. This is a journey for leaders mm-hmm. and it's a journey for organizations. Mm-hmm. We see most of our clients are somewhere in that journey um, and we're developing our, you know, our point of view and our hypothesis on what are those critical elements to succeed and thrive in a state of constant change. Mm-hmm. It's not super believable when someone tells you, I know the answer. And they're right. doing something. I know. We're, we're immediately skeptical. You should be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, well, how could you know the answer? Mm-hmm. No one's ever done this before. Right? Right. No one has ever yeah. had a mobile workforce mm-hmm. that is mobile, mm-hmm. that is five generations mm-hmm. in the workforce, that is dealing with regulatory transformations on the daily basis in an environment that has new and emerging technologies that mm-hmm. most of us can't even begin to comprehend. Right future looks like with robotics mm-hmm. and artificial intelligence and so if i say to you because i know exactly how we should proceed you should say hmm that's weird right <laughs> I, do you yeah i believe that mm-hmm. um so we're so we're really you know interested and then if those are not the attributes of a successful company in the 21st century what are so organizations that will thrive in a state of constant change, mm-hmm. what are the competencies that they need to build? And actually, what is the competency of change? Mm-hmm. We used to call ourselves change management. Profession. Right, or change agents. Right. Mm-hmm. The idea being it's a moment. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, oh, this is a right. change. Yeah, moment. this was what we did here. Now we do here. Mm-hmm. And we're done, right? And we've managed our way through it. And mm-hmm. there was the before, and here's the after. And now we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's what's really true is organizations in the 21st century are in a constant state, right? And are organizations that evolve and affect change in the world? They don't see anything wrong with that. I we are change management professionals. We are change agents. We are practitioners of change. Mm-hmm. And when we make changes at Future State, <laughs> team members that are on my team and dream in the state, well, I just really hope we're done changing. Yeah. Can we, can we be done with change for a little bit? I just really hope that we got it right this time. Uh-huh. Well, chances right. are. Yeah. We're going to change something else again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it is. It's because so many things around us change, um, you know, and and. I think probably technology is is the the biggest driver of that, and we've had some some guests on the program who've talked about that before. And you know, plus as we have, you know, we have so many age demographics that are working now. Um, you know, baby boomers are continuing to work long past when they used to, um, and then we have these millennials who you know I actually like millennials, um, and but they're they're gonna push things in a totally different way. Um, and then we have, what is it, Z? Is that who is yeah, next? And then, and then I thought, you know, we're just going to start over and have A again. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and, you know, when I initially got in the, the workforce into true corporate America, you know, it was, it was very structured. You yeah. were told you do this, you do this, you do this. You don't ask questions. Because, of course, somebody already figured it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you could already tell that that probably wasn't. That was a great fit for you. It was yeah. really fantastic. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Because I'm one of the, yeah, but, 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 you know, type of, of people. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and it was funny because it was an organization that was, uh, we were government contractors. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of former military. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it made sense okay. that they had their rules and their procedures and, and all of those things. But, uh, you know, they, it. 
they also needed to, they were on the forefront of a lot of this new technology because they were the government. I mean, you know, they were funding it. They were doing all of those things. And, you know, it, it really was an interesting place to be because things were changing so quickly, but, you know, we didn't always keep up, you know, and, and now it, it's funny because like you said, you know, change is, is constant. It really is the one thing that is, is always going on. And for many people, they, they do truly thrive in that environment. Yeah. And, and many don't, right? So the, right. the, the central competency mm-hmm. of empathy and meeting people where they are mm-hmm. and bringing um, a sense of orientation mm-hmm. to every moment, right? right? So as a leader, what becomes really important is that I pause and set context on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. right? so, And that I make my decision-making process clear. Mm-hmm. It's not a democratic organization. Not everyone gets to have a vote. Right. They can have input maybe, but... Mm-hmm. And I need to make that clear, right? Here's a moment in time. Here's where I am in my decision-making mm-hmm. process. I'm currently gathering information. Mm-hmm. Share with me what your observations are. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down the road, I'll be making a decision. Know that I will have incorporated your feedback mm-hmm. and the feedback of others, but I will be making the decision. <laughs> and transparency. Back to the old buck stops here. <laughs> and I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I was interested in if Future State could run as a democratic organization right and it is an employee-owned company it is employee-owned that's right so could we be a holacracy could we Mm -hmm. be um you know self-governing and it was and maybe we will at some point in time but as i took over as you know take over as ceo Mm -hmm. and shifting our product offering changing our name Mm -hmm. most of our leadership team changing most of our client base Mm -hmm. changing our offering and there was a point in time where i said and i want everybody to be a part of Everything. Right. Sure, I have the CEO and title, but I could not. Chaos. I, oh, <laughs> we're like, you are insane. Mm-hmm. Please just right. be the Somebody leader. Somebody make, make a decision. decision. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you to to delegate all mm-hmm. of these. You know, so it, it was it was a learning curve for me because I think mm-hmm. in my idealistic world, I love the idea of a business. Right. But you know, we're 80 people, $15 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. 30 clients at any given point in time, we've got, you know, 60 projects running. Mm-hmm. Some people need right. clarity mm-hmm. and they the ability to provide feedback and input and they need to have a clear, mm-hmm. clear path forward. Right. That matters. Um, but we also need to be able to reflect, pause and iterate and evolve on mm-hmm. what's working, what's not working. How do we do better? Right. What, what have we learned? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it does come back to, we do need, one person, I mean, I say person because it might be a committee or something, in charge. I mean, ultimately, there are decisions that need to be made, good and bad. And, you know, it can't always be by committee, you know, that, that one person. And it's, it's funny, often those are the, the hard decisions, the bad decisions, you know, the well, we're going to have to lay people off decision, yeah. you know, all of those type of things. And, you know, and, and I think that's maybe what we're grasping with is the fact that we do want our employees, um, you know, and, and, you know, and it, it, we could also be talking about, say, a volunteer organization, you know, sure. and, and we want to have people involved, yeah. but ultimately it comes down to, you know, one, you know, one person. Um, it's funny, I'm involved in a, a volunteer project and, you know, lots of, lots of volunteer projects uh, that, that are, you know, we all, all kind of volunteer. I mean, that's one of the, the cool things. And I was talking to the, the leader, 
And he mentioned something like, you know, well, he really didn't know the financial status of the the project we were working on. And I said, oh, (laughs) and he said, well, you know, I have somebody who's doing that. And I said, but ultimately you're the person in charge and, and financially that does have to be, you know, and, and so I told him, I said, you really need to, to get some reports because he was struggling. He, you know, he was feeling like everything was getting out of control and, and things like that. And I said, you know, it, it really does need to start with financially because, you know, the various entities couldn't function because they weren't even given a budget. You know, it was just go and do, go and do. And, you know, and, and that, it, that might work in a volunteer group. It's not going to work in a company. Um, you know, they, we need kind of that, that oversight person that says, okay, there's this, but we're not going to say that you have to do this and this and this to get there. Um, you know, and, and I think that's what's fun is we do get more flexibility with, okay, you know, here's the end, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get there. Yeah. So kind of coming back to like the, the intro that you gave a purpose-driven and human-centered, mm-hmm. well, as we've done hundreds of transformation projects with clients, you know, you, you sometimes jump right over that purpose-driven right. human-centered piece mm-hmm. into project planning and tactical mm-hmm. execution and steps to, to mm-hmm. get to the end state. And then you end up in conflict and challenges and right. well, what do we do? And okay, well, we have to meet the deadline. And if we don't launch on time, then that's a problem. But we don't always go back to the why, what is the purpose? I'll share a story of a client, not, not by name, but a client that shared with us that they were really committed to getting closer to their customers, hmm. building more intimacy with right. their customers. This, this is, is a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, multi- multi, you know, faceted business, hundreds of hundreds of locations, mm-hmm. thousands of employees and millions of customers mm-hmm. um, and ancient systems for customer management. Mm-hmm. Moving to Salesforce became one of the tactics mm-hmm. in service of a strategy to mm-hmm. get closer to customers. But Salesforce wasn't the outcome, right? The right. outcome was get closer to our customers. Mm-hmm. And the understanding was, our agents, our frontline agents, the people who see our customers face-to-face, they currently do this incredible job of knowing humans that walk into physical location. Mm-hmm. Gosh, the world's changing. People aren't walking in anymore. They're calling, right. they're chatting, they're texting, mm-hmm. they're accessing information online. How do we bring that interpersonal dynamic to a multi-channel environment? And wow, a lot of these folks have worked inside of this model for 40 years. They right. know that customer, not only by name, they know the mm-hmm. customer's address, the right. car they drive, the kids, kids they've got, the dogs, all right. of those. Right. This is, a, comp- this is mm-hmm. a, a treasured relationship. Mm-hmm. But in the process of an 18-month-long transformation, we lost sight of about this is about getting closer and more intimately connected to our customers. Mm-hmm. And this is about empowering our frontline agents to maintain that intimacy, mm-hmm. even as we shift to a multi-channel mode. Mm-hmm. And the project became about, we have a million dollars. It needs to launch on June 1st. Ah, we're not ready. Cut training. Mm-hmm. Ah, we're not ready. Cut that functionality that allows mm-hmm. them to see historical records, right? And it became about on time, on budget. Mm-hmm. And our job was to really help educate you know lift the organization back up and say out what is the outcome what is the purpose what is the why that we're driving for and what are the humans need in order to execute and be successful inside of that new world all the rest is going to work itself out you're right it might end up being over budget and it might end up being late right 
but why do something on budget mm-hmm. on time that won't get you the outcome? Yeah, it, you know, if it, it, and it might work for that, you know, for a little period of time, but then, then it's going to fall apart. It's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. And then this one, it was like, it will actually cause you the opposite of what right. you're trying to do if you launch with no training mm-hmm. and no features, right? This will create. Oh great. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it sounds so simple. It's, it's very easy to say, but as we march down the path of, yeah, my job description says launch Salesforce on June 1st. Mm-hmm. And that's what my quarterly bonus is based on. Right. I'm not going to go say, mm, yeah, let's, we we're not ready. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't do this. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put myself at risk. So it's incumbent upon us as leaders to always be, you know, to slow down again and always be saying, right, but let's clarify our purpose. Let's mm-hmm. understand what it took and let's not be... Uh, an organization that's in a punishing mode or in a, you know, witch hunt mode, but let's really be in the learning mode and in an inquiry mode right. and, and gather what we need in order to be successful. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this piece of human centered and, and purpose driven, just, we just keep coming back to it. And I think to your point about millennials and about how the world of work is shifting. And, you know, I grew up inside of a, inside of, I'm a Gen X. So my, my idea is work hard, you know, and anything is possible. I also grew up in the dot-com mm-hmm. era. So it, it was a little bit like the millennials and that we didn't know right. what the heck we were talking about. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, we because wanted, it was changing. Mm-hmm. No one knew what they were talking about. So we got a little bit of a free pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but I think the, the thing that emerges in this 21st century work is I want to be personally fulfilled and I want to do work that is meaningful and I want to learn, you know, and then I want to produce the business results mm-hmm. part of my job description. Right? So right. We can't as leaders rest on do it because I said so or mm-hmm. do it because it's the job I gave you. Mm-hmm. It has to be purposeful. It has to be connected and we have to be able to, to draw those draw those lines. And, and, you know, I know that's so here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I know that's so in many, many other, you know, parts of the United States and parts of the world. And it's only going to get more. Mm-hmm. it's only going to become more profound. Right, right. That any leader that's resting on do it because I said so mm-hmm. is going to find that that is not working as no. well as it used to. Well, and, and of course, that's tricky because a, a leader tends to be the type A person who is the do it because I said so, do it because that's, you know, that's the way we've always done it. Or <clears throat> I'm, I'm, you know, one of these that falls into that, well, I'm the only one who knows how to do it right mode, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and but yeah, part of being a leader is having some of those qualities, you know, those take charge, be aggressive, you know, and, and, I've, you know, it, it is hard when we're giving up that control, you know, when, when I realize, you know, I have this project that needs to be done and, you know, it's going to be done differently than I envisioned it, but we'll end up with the same outcome. Um, and so to not micromanage and, you know, all of those various, and that's hard. I mean, you know, especially for those of us, that that's the way we are used to doing things, um, to, to really been, let it go. And have been acknowledged for that. Right. Oh yeah. We got our bonuses because we brought it in on time and, you know, or we cut the budget or we did whatever. And, you know, and we don't want to deal with that fluff, that fluff. How can you manage with that fluff? You know, no, people need guidance. They need to be told this is what you do. Um, you know, and, and certainly there are times where you do have to follow specific 
policy or procedures. Yeah, that's right. Um, compliance. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Efficiency. Yeah. Yep. You know, you and, be and, a rebel without a cause. You right. Know. <laughs> and I think what you know leaders struggle with is is they just don't explain things. And again, that comes back to that culture. You didn't explain yourself. Um, you know, you you just went and you said, you know, this is is how you're going to do it. And you know, you mentioned early on, you, you we don't want to admit that we're wrong. We don't want to admit that we don't know. And so we also don't want to admit, you know, how how we're getting from A to B. You know, it really is because it, we might not know. <laughs> you know, we know we've got to do this. We don't know what did, but we're not going to admit that middle part. I had an insight recently about you know. So you will hear from leaders. We need to be able to push decision making down. Mm-hmm. But people don't make good decisions or. Right. I need people to be able to see end to end, but nobody understands the entire business. Mm-hmm. But what, what isn't happening is that next question, which is, so what would it take for right. me to ensure mm-hmm. that everyone in my organization could see end mm-hmm. and had the information and data mm-hmm. and insight and wisdom that they needed to make good decisions. So how did I get here as the CEO of the business? Well, mm-hmm. the first thing is, I have, a, I am sitting in a position inside of which I, by default, have visibility. Mm-hmm. And I get dashboards and data and reports right. that tell me how each of the organizations are mm-hmm. performing. Mm-hmm. And I have time to reflect and read right. and be on a podcast mm-hmm. and, uh-huh. and engage in dialogue. And I don't have to, and I meet other people who are like me, but working in different industries. And we talk about things. So what would it mean if I provided that to not just my directs, but the directs below them? And how would I structure my organization? So we're really big proponents of things like public dashboards, transparent mm-hmm. KPIs, visible yeah. to the entire organization right. in real time. Mm-hmm. Same as what the executives are seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. Give people the data and give them the space mm-hmm. to learn from one another, to collaborate, to connect, to dialogue, to share, so that that end-to-end becomes more visible. Mm-hmm. And then find that time-constrained and risk-constrained opportunity inside of your organization where you can give someone full accountability and autonomy mm-hmm. to execute and right. make all decisions. Mm-hmm. Because Steve Bennett was the CEO of Intuit when I was there, came into a room one day to, to all of us that were frontline leaders and said, the number one thing you're getting wrong, he didn't know us really personally, right? But the number one thing you are screwing up, mm-hmm. very direct, right, is you think it's your job to make sure your team members don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you swoop in and do it for them. Right, before they ever because get, we know how it needs to be done. Because you know how it needs to be done, mm-hmm. and you don't want them to make a mistake and get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And you are the reason why our organization won't scale, won't grow, won't mm-hmm. succeed, won't make it, because your own insecurity and anxiety right. prevents your mm-hmm. team member from failing and learning and growing from that failure. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like there is no single mistake that any single one of you or anybody on your team can make that will take into account. Mm-hmm. Not one. Right. You could make the biggest mistake of your career. Into it will be fine. And into it was right. 10,000 employees at that time. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I'm 80 people. Mm-hmm. There is no single mistake that any person on my team could make that right. will take future state down. Mm-hmm. 
We, it's all recoverable. We can fix it. We can make it work. But if someone in, on my team makes a mistake that has them realize, oh my goodness, wow, we really put our client reputation at risk when we did X, Y, Z, they will never make that same mistake. Right. Oh, yeah. They're committed to future state. Mm-hmm. They're committed to our success. They're committed to their own career. They will learn from that and grow from that in ways that I could never teach them by telling them. Right. You know, and, and I, you know, we hear the word accountability a lot. And, you know, I think that that really is one of the things that's so important. You know, if, if somebody screws up, they need to know that, you know, and yes, there are times where it could cost somebody their job. But for the most part, it's not, you know, and, and, and but they need to know that they can come forward and they can say, Shannon, <laughs> I did something, um, you know, and, 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 you know, you'll, you'll lose, use that as a learning tool. Um, you know, I remember one time when I was, was back in, in corporate America, I, uh, I reported directly to the CEO of a large organization. I was the head of, of corporate communications and he needed a script written. You know, he was, he was going to leave a, a company wide voicemail. And so he needed this, you know, one minute script done. So I gave it to one of the, the people that I worked with. Now I didn't give her enough guidelines, didn't do anything, you know, so this was as much my fault through all of this as, as anything. And, and yes, we all learned from it. Um, but she writes the script and just emails it to him. Doesn't run it past me. Doesn't because I hadn't asked her to, I had given her the power to do it. And, you know, and, and so then, you know, my phone rings. And we had caller ID on our phone. And I'm like, oh, this can't be good. And so, you know, you answer in your most professional voice because you know you're talking to the CEO. He doesn't say hello. He doesn't say anything. All he says is fire her. Well, I don't even know what he's talking about. You know, so I said, okay, okay, step back. Let's let's go. And so what she had written for him was actually perfectly fine, but she had written it like she was writing a text message. So no punctuation. She hadn't spell checked it. I mean, all these various things. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and I said, okay, not going to fire her. No. I said, you know, this is as much my fault as it is hers because I clearly hadn't, hadn't explained things well enough. And then I went to her and I said, okay, now we're going to use this as a learning experience. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't communicate with the CEO like that. Um, you know, and, and, and so we did, we used it as a learning experience, but you know, employees need to know that they can screw up. And if, you know, and, and of course the big thing is that it's always important now, you know, I'm always one of these, I want to be the one to say, I did this wrong as opposed to getting, having somebody else tattle on me. You know, I want to be there right at the start, right? You know, and because in taking accountability, um, but you know, we need that, those cultures. We need people to know, okay, you know, just as much as we need to know when you've done well, because that's also as, as important, we need to know, okay, what happened and, and what can we do to fix it? And, and most importantly, maybe they've already taken the steps to fix it. Yeah. We, we started to have, we use Facebook uh, internal social platform for mm-hmm. companies called Workplace in, mm-hmm. internally here at Future State. Mm-hmm. And we started a hashtag, the COO and I, hashtag I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I mean, it's not like people don't know that the COO and I make mistakes, right? right. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> no, one, no one really thinks that we have all, you know, and if mm-hmm. they do, thank you. But, uh, you know, I think demonstrating mm-hmm. to our organization that we have space for their humanity and we have space for our own humanity is important. 
you know, I would love to say that, you know, we were able to say that the fireable offenses in an organization are values mm-hmm. driven violations. Right. Not. Yeah. Was there an ethical breach? Was there? Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, or for our, in our value, our values, future states values, some of them are, you know, they're the future state values. They won't be right for every organization. Right. Our, our values include, you know, being a team and, mm-hmm. and operating in, in a model that is heart driven and, mm-hmm. and purpose led. And you know, some organizations would not have that in their values. Right. Oh, yeah. Business yeah. outcomes at all costs, individual performance, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and individualism. But for us, you know, collaboration and teamwork is at the heart of, mm-hmm. of how we're trying to grow and build our business. And so, you know, that might be a, hey, this isn't a fit. That doesn't seem to be what juices you. You love being an individual contributor and being a rock star. Mm-hmm. And you should go somewhere where that's going to be mm-hmm. the right, right outcome for you. But we are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, of course, we also have had to make layoffs and, and make performance decisions that, that you know, the values were perfectly aligned, mm-hmm. but the performance challenges were still there. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is kind of the, the aspiration is how might we be an organization that, was a place where people could um, could learn, grow, and evolve. Mm-hmm. Because I'm learning and growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not done. Right. So how do we create that environment inside mm-hmm. of our workplace too? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the biggest changes as we were talking about all of this that that I've seen through corporate America is that you know we're no longer in the silos. Right. You know, we didn't, and you still have a marketing department, a sales department, a finance department, all those various things. But you know, when it, it, now they have to to work together, they have to talk, they have to do all of those things, and not and, just when you're doing your annual plan, right? Oh yeah, the, the, you know, you write your annual plan, and then it goes on the bookcase behind you, and you never look at it again. That's right. Um, you know, and, and I think that is often one of the hardest things for people because that's, again, that's not the, but this is the way we've always done it. Um, you know, and, and uh, what I love now are companies are really, really figuring out that it is a play together type of thing. And, you know, I, I was in the companies where you've been pitted against each other. That's right. Sales was pitted against marketing, was pitted, pitted against finance, you know, and, you know, and, and all those various things. And were we successful? Sure, but we weren't as successful as we could have been. That's right. Well, and I, I think Deb, despite the fact that we know this is where we're going and that silos mm-hmm. don't work, um, there are still a lot of systemic structures in place in almost every client we serve. Right. Um, large and small mm-hmm. <laughs> that prevent um this from really being you know, data is one mm-hmm. a clear and transparent dashboard that everybody says yes we're all working towards the same metrics mm-hmm. and we're going to inquire mm-hmm. instead of blaming oh that must be marketing's fault that we didn't have right it's no 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 it's sales fault mm-hmm. we're going to actually do the rigorous business analysis and um hypothesis testing and inquiry and five whys and root cause analysis to say gosh look at that actually it's a shift in the market altogether we missed mm-hmm. it we were looking what we got wrong but what we really missed was our opportunity to do something new right and here's here's our here's our pivot but i I think i I wish i could tell you you know working in in 2019 i see the dissolution of silos and this the creation of holistic and integrated and connected organizations and that it's working but uh, we see a lot of people knowing that's where they need to go and not clear how to do it because really all of our we like our org charts 
all of our org, it's so, it's so funny you said org charts because my CEO laughs at me. I'm completely org chart allergic. Like I see one and I go, oh, but that's not really how it works. <laughs> but this person is here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't really do it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think, you know, so what is the operating model of the future? Mm-hmm. If it isn't an org chart and if it isn't a governing body or it's an org chart and a governing body and a PMO and a dashboard mm-hmm. and incentives and rewards. Mm-hmm. and listening tools and innovation and ideation and mm-hmm. agility. Like how is that all coming together in the 21st century to right. a scalable mm-hmm. mechanism mm-hmm. that is optimized for delivering on the purpose of the organization. Right. And it's human centered. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't, I, I mean, we have some ideas about it, but I don't think anybody's nailed it. Right. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. And has that new world working to the point where, yes, I can be a functional expert in, in marketing, mm-hmm. but I can see the entire enterprise and I can assess and diagnose across the enterprise. Right. Well, and, you know, we, one of the things that we have to watch is we can't do information overload. No. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's easy to do if you're saying, well, we're all in this together, you know, and, and marketing needs to know what's going on over here and what's going on over here. And, you know, sales needs to know and, and all those things, because then pretty soon you are, you're just thinking, oh my gosh. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the old paralysis by analysis type of thing. Um, so that's where it comes back to having that good leadership that knows, okay, you know, they might not really need to know right. every detail. They just need the overview or they need to know they can ask if they want. Or I need structures. Mm-hmm. I need structures that uh, if I assume that people are going to be collaborating effective, or collaborating across mm-hmm. my organization, sometimes effectively and sometimes not. Right. And that they're going to know more today than they knew yesterday, but they aren't going to know as much as they need to know mm-hmm. because how could they? Right. Then what I need to have are structures in place that are going to catch mm-hmm. on the early side when we might be going, you know, beginning to go off the rails. So right. I, I, I do need to have that data capability in my mm-hmm. organization, even as a small organization. I need mm-hmm. to be able to know what are my early indicators, what are my lagging indicators, how do I begin to gather information mm-hmm. and analyze information uh, in a collective way, not mm-hmm. just me. But with right. my peers and say, here's the data. This is what I, that makes me think. What does it make you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's a different interpretation. Right. How might we move forward in that? Plus my voice of the customer, my voice of the employee, my, mm-hmm. my qualitative intuition, wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I need to be bringing those two pieces together on an ongoing basis to say, are my assumptions valid? Mm-hmm. Are my on the right track? Are we making right. the right progress? Mm-hmm. Do we need to pause? Right? Um, so that I think is the um, is one of the fundamental shifts is the, the the frequency and the speed with which we need to be able to assess, diagnose, hypothesize, test, assess, diagnose, hypothesize, test is much faster right. than a quarterly planning process, mm-hmm. much faster than a annual planning process. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, oh. Mm-hmm. And how do we build that competency? Mm-hmm. And and it is tools plus plus soft skills, right? It's, it's the, the tools and the systems and the data plus the, mm-hmm. not the capability and the safety to, to, to make those assessments and, mm-hmm. and make those diagnoses. And, and right. Those 
You know, and then you toss into that the fact that, you know, we, we now recognize and, and try and work with the different personalities that we have. You know, we might have somebody who they needed explained. We might have the person that, you know, give them a little bit of detail in a way they can go with it. Um, you know, and they might be 2,000 miles away. Um, you know, or or further, um, you know, and and so they're in a different time zone, you know, and and all these various things, and it, it's funny, you know, I've I've actually had some people that have said, you know, we've gotten out of corporate America, we just can't do that, you know. There's and and I mean that's fine, that's why a lot of small businesses are started. But right. it's, it is interesting, you know, and, and, and of course, I love the technology. I love it when, you, you know, when we are tying all of these things together. But, but it can be a very complicated time. And then you add in the, the whole outside information. Um, you know, you have people saying, well, AI is going to get rid of every job, you know, all these various things. Well, you know, I, no. <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, technology still needs the human beings to, to do it. Um, and and wisdom, to, to wisdom, wisdom plus data, right? right. Um, there's, there's a inherent gaps in, in, pure data-driven mm-hmm. approach, and there are inherent gaps in approaches absent of data. Right. What happens, mm-hmm. hopefully, when we bring them together is is better, you know, mm-hmm. better outcomes, better a better world. But I think um, when I think about how we as an organization, how all organizations need to uh, figure out how to be truly inclusive organizations, mm-hmm. radically inclusive organizations. Um, you know, it's a, we, we now have a, we now have a narrative in our nation of, ah, okay, this is not an equal and level playing field. Mm-hmm. And we, we do have a legacy to overcome here in terms of equity. And we have some ideas of what that's going to take, mm-hmm. but we don't know yet really. Right. Right. But, it's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. What is it really going to take to have mm-hmm. 50% of the board be women, mm-hmm. to have our populations represent the ethnic um, mm-hmm. and political and, you know, all the various right. elements of diversity that our customers and constituents mm-hmm. hold in our corporate boardrooms mm-hmm. and executive levels of leadership. And, you know, we, we, we're starting to see the data that uh, maybe – implicit bias training doesn't get us what we, well, it gets us some of what we need, but it's not the end, right? So what is the, what is the, Mm -hmm. what is it going to take to create radically inclusive and connected organizations Um, and the courage of leaders to say, I'm really looking at my own bias. I'm really looking at my own inability to collaborate effectively Mm -hmm. with people who share a different, not only a different worldview, but a different way of mm-hmm. a different set of expectations and filters and assessment criteria. And I, gosh, it feels slower mm-hmm. and harder. And I'm being told by the board, my number one job is increase share price this quarter right? and demonstrate financial returns. And right. how do these connect? I'm sure they do, mm-hmm. but how, and how do I build that case? So that's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. For the right. Yeah. And, as we as we talk about this, it also occurs to me that there are companies that will make the decision that they're not going to do some of these things, yeah. um, you know. And and you know, they're they're and uh, you know, I live in the South, 
And so there are very different ways of doing business here as opposed to, say, California, um, you know, and, and from, from many perspectives, um, you know, and, uh, and, and so there are businesses, and, and that's perfectly fine, you know, I, but I think companies need to recognize, okay, if we're saying we're still going to be doing business this way, they just need to say why. Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, obviously here in the South, we have a, a lot of businesses that are, are uh, very faith based. And so they're going to think about things very differently. Um, and, you know, and, and so they're going to say, this is why we made this decision. Okay. You know, I'm cool with that. As long as I understand, as long as you told me that's why we're going to do it, then, then it's my decision if I want to stay or if I want to go. Yeah, transparency is really important mm-hmm. in the 21st century. I mean, we, we're a B Corp, which is an organization that's, mm-hmm. you know, publicly audited by an independent third party on our practices mm-hmm. around sustainability and equity mm-hmm. and workforce practices. And I think this is, you know, this is the thing. Give me choice, right? Give, right. give me the truth mm-hmm. and let me choose. Mm-hmm. I want to do business and buy stock. I can't do this yet, right? My 401k can't. I can't easily in my 401k say I only want to work with, I only want to own mm-hmm. companies that have committed to environmental sustainability, right. or I only want to own companies that have 50% of their mm-hmm. forwards. I can't do that yet, but you can mm-hmm. see a future where I could, right. where, the, where I as a, as a participant in the market could say, mm-hmm. I have a certain set of values and the people mm-hmm. that I choose to provide financial sustainability to, I want them to be aligned mm-hmm. Right. Um, that'd be really cool, right? That's that I think right. that, yeah, that's right. So if if I can make the choice and say, Oh, I understand this business has decided that equitable um, representation on their board is not a priority, mm-hmm. cool. I'm gonna put my put my efforts elsewhere because mm-hmm. that's a priority. To right. Mm-hmm. Well and you know and and people you know they they might be looking specifically for that um you know for for whatever reason and you know it's it's funny i worked for um a, a company that was it was an international company and it was dutch based and you know and i've been gone from there for for quite a long time so things have changed but at you know at one point their board of directors were going to be white men mm-hmm. that was it um, now, the, the the one little person that wasn't was an HR person. <laughs> you know? That's right, always right. You know the you know and and but that was their corporate culture, and that's what worked for them. Oh, sure. And so you just understood that that was the way it was going to be. Um, but what I really love now, you know, that we've transitioned into to this century, is employees are asking for that, and they're looking for that. Same with consumers. Um, you know, we see consumers that are saying, you know what. I'm I'm only going to buy from companies that that do X, um, and the cool thing is we see changes being made. Um, you know, usually, you know, some people are going to drag their feet, kicking and screaming, but you know, there are many things that really are changing now, for you know, for the good of the majority. You know, there are still going to be people who who you know are fussing about things, but you know, as consumers, as employees. And, you know, and it's not just the millennials. It's funny, you know, back to, to that, you know, we all fuss and we say, well, the millennials are demanding all of this. Mm-mm, no. I'm not a millennial. I'm, I'm demanding it. You know, I'm way older than a millennial. And I'm looking at companies that are saying, you know, this is how we're going to function. This is what we're doing. And that's where I'm choosing then to, to do my business. That's right. Well, I think there's a, there is an inauthenticity or there, let's just say, it is authentic to say that homogeneity works. It does mm-hmm. work. Right. right. 
Future State is an employee-owned, woman-owned company. Mm-hmm. 87% of our owners are women. Our Yay! Women in our company are all alike. Mm-hmm. Right? So we get credit for being a diverse business. We're not a diverse business. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all women. Right. Of a certain mm-hmm. age, most of them are getting better. But mm-hmm. for a long time, women of a certain age, with children, mm-hmm. many of us, the primary breadwinner in our family, mm-hmm. the stay-at-home partners, um, you know, so educated right and and so that's not diversity it's easy right <laughs> we all think the same you know mm-hmm. we all have kind oh of- yeah so when we're going through really tough crunchy challenging issues on a certain level that might have been the right decision to make right mm-hmm. i don't i don't have to i'm going through this really hard thing and i don't have to actually stop and say i do not understand your frame of reference right make no sense to me mm-hmm. right we were able to move quickly in a time of intense change mm-hmm. now as we're through you know not that we're ever done changing but we're through the really hard mm-hmm. part now we have the opportunity to say okay great now what right mm-hmm. who are we committed to being given what we believe about right. the 21st century of work mm-hmm. and about our planet and about our nation and about mm-hmm. equity. So if not us, who, right? If we're not going to take on, it is hard. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and know, it's worth it. Right? Yeah. It's I mean, hard. one of the things that, you know, you, you mentioned women owned. I mean, you know, that is is a very strong value for, for a company to have. And, you know, there's also business reasons for it because there are companies that have to do business with women-owned businesses and minority businesses. about that, but we haven't gotten any of those yeah. yet. <laughs> um, you know, and all of those things. But, you know, it, it, it really could come a time where you're thinking, you know, the, the person we need right now that's going to lead us is going to be a man. You know, or, you know, and, and all of these things. So then you have to stop and think, is this a change we want? You know, and, and of course, that's what we've been talking about all along is the fact that so many companies are going to say, nope, uh-uh, we're going to stick with this. But the companies that truly are going to be successful are going to go on. And, and you know, and, and you might think of, you know, you might go through that and think, yeah, no, we really do need to stay women owned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and maybe we just need a different person in charge. But, you know, or, or doing that role. But, you know, here is, is why we're doing this. That's so right. it's, it's not, you know, I, th- I think sometimes what happens is we get concerned with, oh, my gosh, we have to make those changes. That's no, right. we don't. That's right. That's right. I mean, and again, coming back just to put a bow on it, it's about your purpose, right? right. So we, we've been examining lately. So is our purpose to make our employee owners as wealthy as possible in our employee stock owner mm-hmm. plan? So do do we exist to create wealth for our employees? Is mm-hmm. that our number one reason for being? Right. Do we exist to make our clients' transformations successful? Mm-hmm. Do we exist to be a petri dish and a lab for the 21st century of work? Mm-hmm. Those are three somewhat connected, but also potentially divergent. Right. Mm-hmm. reasons for me mm-hmm. none of them are worth more or less than the yeah. other mm-hmm. um but which is the reason that future state's going to pursue mm-hmm. at all costs which is mm-hmm. which has been non-negotiable right yeah you know and 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 that is where it's it, it is difficult you know to, to make those decisions but you know they're they're never written in stone um, that's right. You know, and, and I think that's something, you know, back to, to what we were saying at the very start, you know, well, this is the way we've always done it. 
okay, but um, you know, like I said, talk to, yeah, but uh, girl, yeah, but what about Blockbuster, right? Right, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, or taxi cabs. You know, all of those those companies that, and and again, you know, it, it was driven in many cases by technology, That's but right. yeah, the companies that just point blank refuse to believe things would change. Um, you know, I talk to people every day that say, you know, no, we still have to have, you know, business done this way. I'm like, have you heard of Amazon? <laughs> you yeah. know? And, you know, all these various things. And, and um, you know, it's, it, it really is something that is, is continually evolving, you know, as, as we have said. And, and the companies that will continually to evolve, and, and I don't care if, you know, you're a one person. I mean, you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs have to go through this too. I mean, That's you know, right. they, they have to know what is their mission? What is their vision? That's what right. is their purpose? Oh, I think mm-hmm. even more you have to as a small business owner because it's hard. Right. <laughs> you better feel inspired by that person. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you might just say, mm-hmm. gosh, it'd be easier to have a job. Right, right, yeah. So, oh my gosh, Shannon, holy cow! This has been so much fun. I don't think I talked about any of the things that that you know that we had on my that I had on my list, but this has been so much fun um, because it's it, it, we you know I've I've got my glass of water. This really is like a wine conversation. <laughs> but you know it, it is so important that that people think about this you know and and you know what they're going through and and the growing pains you know and, and let's be honest it is going to be painful you know when when companies are making these decisions and making these changes and so tell us a little bit more about how future state can help an organization that's going through this yeah we we, we bring an interdisciplinary approach to our work. Mm-hmm. We are change management professionals, if that's what you're looking for, but we also bring process, mm-hmm. innovation, design thinking, um, ag- agile coaching mm-hmm. to bear for our clients mm-hmm. um, based on our point of view that organizations that succeed in the 21st century are not just managing through a change, but building competency for right. ongoing change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to leave the organizations that we work with in a position to be able to sustain and thrive mm-hmm. in that state of change um, and find joy in that and, and normalcy in that state of change and create um, empathy and compassion for one another through that change. And that's what we do. We work, we work with uh, for-profit and non-profit organizations. We work with membership organizations. We work with small organizations. We work with private equity companies that are, acquiring and and turning around smaller organizations that they see high potential with. We work with, of course, really large enterprises as well. Um, And then, you know, to find me on LinkedIn, I'm I'm more than happy to provide coaching and support and guidance to any entrepreneurs, soft spot for women, um, but any entrepreneurs that are, you know, on their journey and looking to to create a culture that will be resilient in Mm -hmm. the 21st century. Great. Well, and so how do people find and connect with you and your company online? Yeah, our company URL is www.futurestate.com. We're uh, not, uh, the website is always in flux. So you can find latest blog postings. Soon we'll have all the podcast links up. We also are very active on LinkedIn and on Facebook. So mm-hmm. Future State has homepages on both of those platforms. And then I, Shannon, Um, most easily found on LinkedIn. That's where I do. I spend a lot of time there. It's a great platform. (laughs) Somebody yesterday went, ew, you still do LinkedIn? I said, I focus on LinkedIn. And it's funny, I have fun 
on Facebook. I do business on LinkedIn. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. I think it's a great product. Mm-hmm. They do a fantastic job. So that's where they're changing. I they're changing. Oh, don't yeah. I hate it when you know you write an ebook about using LinkedIn and then they change and I'm like, oh, really? No, but it's an ebook. That's why you that's do. Great. That's e-book. good news. That's good news. Sorry. Very good. Yeah. Well, I've had I've had a, a great time getting to know you, Deb, and and talking with you about the world of work and great making well, it a more exciting place to be. Right. Likewise. And, and, you know, I, I hope that we continue this discussion um, because it is something, I mean, you know, like we said, change is, is always, um, you know, it's not that we're going to go, Oh, what? No, tomorrow we're done. No more changes, no more changes. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so it would be great to have you on again to, to continue this discussion. Good. I'll leave one word of wisdom, I Perfect. guess, which is um, for the leaders um, that are listening um, on the days where you feel like, your team cannot withstand any more change and the days when you feel like you're failing because you know that you need to keep changing, um, know that they, uh, that you are resilient, they are resilient, and this is the future of work. So whatever competencies you're giving them and being more resilient through change, they will serve them in all of their future world roles because this, this is happening at large, highly successful multinational companies and, you know, small, single-person, solopreneur businesses. This is the reality. Knowing all the answers is not the truth anymore. It's about being learning and adapting and evolving. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, I really have been having an absolutely wonderful time talking with Shannon Adkins. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.